Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Welcome back, family. Um, I want to say, a, give a personal um, thank you and uh, just uh, appreciation and gratitude um, for everyone who has uh, partnered with us, who, who, who has caught the vision of what the P Community Church has been called to do and who has partnered with us and, and who continue to give, even in these difficult times, who have been faithful with tithes and, and offerings. And, and um, you know, we, we count it a privilege and, and, and we hold it up to the Lord. And, and, and my prayer is that God would just open up the floodgates, that he would bless and bring forth from, for every seed that is sown financially into this ground that would produce back a harvest unto you a hundredfold in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, quickly, just on ways of announcements before we just get into the message, um, Lynn contacted me and uh, asked uh, to, to please remind the church family, um, Jan Peak Homeless Shelter next Saturday, next Saturday. If you're interested in making something, uh, you can either text Lynn and or give, or, or give us a call here at, at the church. Um, send an email to info at thepeakcc.com. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to you immediately. Uh, we can, we can pick up the food, um, and, and we can drop it off. Um, we can't stay to serve. Uh, so, so it's just a matter of, you know, a willingness of, of being able to cook a meal and prepare a tray of meal for Jan Peak next Saturday. If you are interested in placing your hands upon that plow and bless Jan Peak, uh, with a tray of food, please contact us, info at thepeakcc.com, or uh, give us a call on our landline, 914-737-1465. We'll get right back to you, and we'll set it up, okay? Um, so without any further ado, we are here this morning to celebrate what we call Palm Sunday. And not the palms of your hand. Palms as in branches uh, off of the palm tree. Uh, we celebrate Palm Sunday, and it's also known as the triumphal entry. And so, why, some of the questions that I started to think of, you know, why? Why do they call it the triumphal entry? What was so triumphal about it? We, we know what's going to take place a week, uh, by the end of this week. We, we know what Jesus is going to be confronted with. What is so triumphal about this? And, and what significance does the palm branches on the ground actually signify? What does it mean? Uh, what does it mean for believers today? What does Palm Sunday speak to us? Like today, today, in the midst of what we're in, in the midst of COVID-19, this this passage, this this uh, uh, time in history speaks directly to us. What is it saying? And not only for us as believers, but also for the non-believers who are watching. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing the message of the gospel. Maybe you just tuned in uh, YouTube. Uh, maybe you just tuned in uh, to our live stream. 
and, and, and you're just trying to figure this out. Maybe you've got some good questions. I pray that God gives me good answers for you. What is this triumphal entry? See, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on an unbroken donkey colt, on that momentous first day of the week, the multitudes quickly recognized that he was fulfilling an ancient prophecy and thereby specifically claiming to be their long-awaited Messiah. How many of y'all know that actions speak louder than words? I don't know who you're watching this with, but look the person next to you and tell them, yo, your actions speak louder than your words. This has always been true. This is why children, they, they don't do what you say, they do what you do. We have to be very explicit with, with how we speak when it comes to our actions. And, and the disciples, they saw Jesus' action. He, he grabbed that colt and, and, and had his disciples bring it to him. It, it was never ridden. And, and, and they spread their cloaks on the donkey for Jesus to sit down on it. And, and all of a sudden, the multitude, I mean, it went viral immediately. They all started coming out. They, they wanted to welcome him. They, they laid their cloaks and their outer garments on the ground before him. Uh, the, the branches of palm trees, they were covering the ground so that the colt would not walk on the ground. And, and essentially, they gave him a red carpet treatment. And here he comes, the celebrity. The celebrity of the time, the long-awaited Messiah. See, see the people, when, when they saw him, they, they hailed him and praised him as the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The, their exclamation was, Hosanna in the highest. They were quoting a psalm, Psalm 118, 26, that was written close to a thousand years before his birth. And their claims were that he is Messiah. The biblical figure that was promised by God to be their king. Hosanna, they cried out to their king. It's a word that basically means save us now. How appropriate is that for us today? That, that we would turn around and recognize Jesus as the king of kings and that we as his people would cry out to him. Hosanna! Save us now! Oh, Lord. If ever there was a time that we should be crying out to him, praising him, exalting him, asking him for his mercy, it's now. As he rode to the temple, he passed the places where, where he had taught the people. He he healed them upon the streets. He set them free from demonic strongholds, from depression and addiction. He, he, he freed them from epilepsy, anxiety, bipolar disorder. He healed them of high temperature fevers and severe acute respiratory syndrome. He healed them from all of their diseases, all of their ailments. And I'm here to tell you, family, that in his name, we do have healing. Corona has got to bow down in the name of Jesus. We pray, we push forward, and we fight, and we trust in his ability. Hey, 
and lay hands upon the sick, anoint them with oil, Santo Robosente, and testimony after testimony, healing after healing, my God, let your will be done. Jesus's purpose in riding into Jerusalem was to make his public claim that he was the Messiah. He was and is the King of Israel in the fulfillment of prophecy. If we read in Zechariah 9, 9 and 10, Scripture tells us, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your King is coming to you! He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fall of a donkey. See, this was the promise. This was the promise. This was the prophecy. And they all lived in anticipation for that day. And here, before their very eyes, that prophecy was being fulfilled. Verse 10 says, He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Dominion. It's a Hebrew word, Moshel. Moshel means to have sovereignty, to have jurisdiction, rulership. This noun comes from the verb mashal, meaning to rule or to govern, to reign or exercise authority. In this present verse that Jesus is clearly fulfilling in the sight of his people is that the Messiah's dominion is described as a universal power extending to the ends of the earth. How exciting! Jesus rides into his capital city as a conquering king and is hailed by the people as such. And for the first time, he receives the worship and praise of the people because only he deserves it. See, up until now, he told the people he healed to keep quiet. Shh, 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 shh. Keep silent. Don't tell anyone. Just go yourself, show yourself at the temple. His, his time had not yet come. But now, at this triumphal entry, this, this Palm Sunday, no longer does he tell his disciples to be quiet about him, but to shout his praises and to worship him openly. And in fact, he said, if they didn't do it, that even the rocks, even creation would praise his name. The great reveal, the spreading of cloaks, the laying down of palm branches as an act of homage for royalty. Jesus openly declaring to the people that he was their king and the Messiah that they had been waiting for. Woo! There was a buzz in town like never before. The word was out. There wasn't Twitter. There wasn't FaceTime. People wasn't snapping. They were talking that the king and the Messiah was in town. Yeah, that went viral. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I, I wonder, I wonder what it must have been like that day. People dancing, 
in the streets, singing and rejoicing, huh? getting the children out. History, history being happening right now. Like, like, really? Could, could he be? Is, is he the one? <laughs> I wish, I wish I knew how I could explain it, how I can describe it. Matthew 20, 29, 34, right at the point that Jesus was revealing himself. Scripture says, now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the end of the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do? for you they said to him lord that our eyes may be opened so jesus had compassion and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him see they cried out to him messianic prophecies he produced see the proof is in the pudding he was able to back up his claims because of the things he had done. There was a reputation that was already preceding him. There were things that he had already done and fulfilled. People were talking about Lazarus being raised from the dead. People were already talking about him walking on water. And now here at this moment, this morning, there was a blind man crying out to him. I want to ask you this morning a very pointed question. Who do you say he is? Have you ever met him on the road of despair? Have you ever told him what you'd like him to do for you? What's the area of your life that you need compassion in? Have you made a choice and a decision to follow him. I would love to know what that must have been like that day. To have been there, have seen blind Bartimaeus receiving his sight. You first have to understand the noise. The, the crowd. I could hear that they were close onto the road. And, and not just because I had great hearing to make up for my blind eyes. I mean, this was a roar. People cheering and clapping and singing. As they got closer, I, I, I tried to listen as carefully as I could, see if I could make out what they were saying. I knew that they were coming my way. See, some of us sat by the main gates where most of the people would come and go. I know people by how they walk, whether they drag their feet or not. And every day I just sat there. 
waited for mercy. But I, all I could do was listen. Suddenly I realized that they cheered for him. Some grumbled even speaking his name. Others said he was the Messiah. But a handful of them had, had witnessed him healing people. I crawled closer to the road, afraid that I might be trampled. I, I could hear that there were a lot of people coming. Is that him? Is that the teacher? Anyone? Tell me. Is it him? And someone said, yes. It was Jesus. And to this day, I, I can't explain it, but I just yelled. I yelled louder than I had ever yelled. Son of David, have mercy on me. He heard me and he, he came over where I was and asked what I wanted. to see and then everything I had always hoped to lay my eyes on was there before me I followed him that day and the next day and the next day What amazed me was, it seemed like the people that could see the best were the most blind. As for who I say he is, one day, I was yelling for him to heal me. Now, here we are in Jerusalem, yelling to all those who have ears to hear that he is Hosanna in the highest. He is the Messiah. I get it. If you were to ask me, who do I say he is? I'd tell you that Jesus Christ is my king. That, that I am a subject in his kingdom. Since the day that I met him, I have been following him. I didn't have to be in Jerusalem that morning. I, I didn't have to be there not to know that Jesus is the Messiah. See, because I too was once blind. I was bound by selfish desires. I was self-centered and the king of my own castle. I was utterly lost and broken, doing it my way, my will, my time. I had shackle upon shackle on me. The fact of the matter is I thought I was living so free, and yet I wanted to die. In fact, I lived so recklessly that I was hoping that I would. For whatever reason, as, as hot of a mess as I was, I would actually 
fool myself into thinking that that I was in control, that that somehow I had it within me the power to change. For whatever reason, I just couldn't find the strength to do it. Proverbs 12, 15, 16 says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. And trust me, family, I played the fool. But it is he who heeds counsel who is wise. A fool's wrath is known at once. You can see it right away, but a prudent man covers shame. And for so many years, I was the fool. For so many years, I, I, I thought I had the answers. I, I never asked anyone for help. I had to figure it out all on my own. Suck it up. Figure it out. Be a man, I was told. And it was when I was in the deepest, most darkest of pits. When the world came crashing down around me and I had nowhere else. I was so low, I had nowhere else but to look up. Because the fact was, I lost it all. Any lower, couldn't get it. See, I was, I was on that road of despair. I came to that place where my ears were finally opened. <laughs> Come on. How, how, how many of you know that, that just because a man can hear you doesn't necessarily mean he's listening to you? I'll say that one more time. How, how many know that just because a man can hear you doesn't necessarily mean he's listening to you? And the wives say it, amen. My ears were, were finally hoping the thick-headedness of, of, of my self-centeredness was finally broken. And I needed answers. I wanted direction. See, my cry, my, my personal gut-wrenching cry to God was, was God Allah, Buddha, architect of the universe, whoever you are, if you would just manifest yourself, if you would reveal yourself to me, I would, I would serve you. I would give you the rest of my days because I've, I've destroyed the gift of life that you've given me. And if you would just, if you would just breathe life, I would, I would serve you. And, and it was at that place of utter shame and remorse and, and guilt Back in, in, Jesus Jesus made himself real to me. I felt a cleansing come over me, a washing. There was a flow of tears that were being released from my eyes, and, and some of that was remorse. But some of that was, was joy. There was a feeling of forgiveness and, and, and the healing coming over me. It was a release. See, blind Bartimaeus, that was really me. I was blind. When I met Jesus, I was finally able to see. For the first time, I could see the world clearly. I could see the foolishness of my ways. I could see the wisdom of his ways and fear disappeared and internal joy came and was birthed inside my heart. I was living in an imprisoned world and Jesus set me free. 
And I'm here to tell you that he is no respecters of person. What he is willing to do for one, he's willing to do for all. In John chapter 8, verse 34 through 37, Jesus speaking unto Pilate. Jesus speaking to his disciples, excuse me, says, Jesus answered them saying, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus answered. And just like that, after being a slave to sin for so many years, he pulled me out of slavery and adopted me into his house and called me a son. According to his word, the son has set me free. And not only was I free, but he called me his son. Romans chapter 8 verses 14 through 17 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs, also heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if we indeed suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. See that day, that first Palm Sunday? That was his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But in July of 1995 was his triumphal entry into the gates of my heart. If you were to ask me, how can I possibly describe him? I don't, I don't have words. I can't even articulate the things that he's done for me. I can't put it into words or, 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 or reason. It's, it's, it's paranormal. It's supernatural. His power and his love is real and it's available to each and every one of us if we would allow him to come to the gates. How can I describe him to you? He's my father. He's my king. Jesus speaking to Pontius Pilate. Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I'd like to share with you this morning another man's attempt at describing Jesus Christ, my king. Here is S.M. Lockridge, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, just about 50 years ago. That's my king. Do you know him? My king was born king. 
The Bible says he's a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David said the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is the only one in whom there no means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his solar supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the longest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. Well, he, he's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He starves and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges death. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. Do you know him?
His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heaven cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mouth. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah. He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't even beat him, and he's not going to resign. That's my declaration that we recognize his sacrifice, his body, that by the end of this week would be beaten and tortured, that he would have a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He would be ridiculed and mocked. His beard would be pulled from his face while people spit in it. He will be impaled upon a Roman course, and, and his blood would be shed as the sacrificial lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. As we get ready and prepare to have communion and, and, and to declare our union in common, Scripture tells us that whoever eats of this bread and drinks of this wine of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let each man examine himself. And so 
let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. And so we accept the Lord's chastisement. We accept his correction. He closes doors that man can't close and open doors that man cannot open. His purpose and his will should be our pursuit every single day of our lives. To live is Christ and to die is gain for the time that we are here. If he has set you free, you have been purchased with a price. We're celebrating that price this morning in communion. And so I would ask that you would now get your bread and get your wines, the elements uh, ready. And I'm going to ask the first lady to bring over the elements. Thank you, my love. And we're going to pray over them together. Amen. Lord, Heavenly Father, I just pray, God, that as we partake of these elements, Lord, there's no special grace in them. It is bread and it is and it is wine, it is juice. But Lord Father, we recognize it as a symbol of your body. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is produced from the mouth of God. That Lord God, you are the man of the bread from heaven that gives us nourishment, O oh Lord God. And so, Father, I pray this morning that as we partake of this of this bread that we have union with each other in regards to your body. And as we partake of this wine and the cup, Lord Father God, I, I pray that your presence would be with us, that we would recognize that life is in the blood and you had sinless blood that was shed upon the cross of Calvary. And because of that blood, that righteous blood, it covers our unrighteousness. And Father, I just pray as we partake here together that you would unite us Forgive us of our sins. Have mercy upon us, O oh God. Breathe life, power, strength, unction of your Holy Spirit, O oh God, that we would be caught on fire and start a revival that you would be glorified in. I ask your blessing upon this time, this morning, in Jesus' mighty name. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you this morning, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And when he had given thanks, he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup. Uh, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. Thank you, my love. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on. Salvation is in the house. 
there is a unity that we have in Christ, in his blood. And when you know the Lord like I know the Lord, this is what the Bible says, this is how you'll know them, by the love that they have for one another. Let me ask you a question this morning. Has the love of God been poured out into your heart? Has this message touched you in any way? If this is the first time that you've really dedicated yourself unto Jesus, that you've taken communion and, and, and you felt a stirring, that you're recognizing him not only as your savior, but also as your king. I'd like to invite you to connect with us, please. Go visit www.thepeakcc.com. Go to our visitors page and fill out that connect card. We want to give you a gift. We want to come alongside of you and help in your spiritual journey into maturity as, a, as an image being conformed to the likeness of his son. Ooh, praise him, praise him. I wanna bless you, church. I wanna bless you, I wanna hug you. I wanna tell you how much I love you. You are not alone and during this time of, of physical distancing, we are still very much social. Uh, we're still very much active as a ministry. Connect with us Tuesday night, Thursday night, here Sunday morning, and we're getting ready to launch on our, on our new online platform, Small Groups, for discipleship that will be private for the P Community Church in of itself. Keep us in prayer as we will keep you in prayer. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I bless you, church, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Live out your faith in victory as Jesus is our King.